So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. And before I read this, I was, I was going to say something I shared in the office as we prayed together as a praise team. Um, I, I, started, I started to do this, and I decided not to because after I watched it a couple of times, I'm like, uh, I'm not sure. I started to have them upload DC Talk on Time is Ticking Away. But, but I just think probably some people are uncomfortable hearing that but I just think it's it just has always kind of stuck with me and I and and Jason was a big fan of DC Talk and uh, Carmen and all of them and and it was kind of rap like music and you know that we don't do much rap in church right Um, but that that song kind of captures how it doesn't wait on us time doesn't wait on us we'd like for it to sometimes And sometimes we'd like for it to just speed up a little bit. But it's in this mark, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, and just keeps on going. I want you to hear what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus regarding time. In verse 15, he says, See then, and I'm reading this out of the KJV, but then we're going to go to the NIV. See then that you walk circumspectly, and that's the word we always use, right? Circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. This is those who are wise enough follow what he's about to say. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, if you see that phrase, you hardly will find it in any other translation. Maybe the uh, the New American Standard may have redeeming the time, but most all other translations change that up there. And it's not exactly word for word. Here's the NIV. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And the reason why I think that it should be uh, somewhere like redeeming the time, purchasing back time, is that the word translated time is kairos. And there's two words in the Greek language that's translated time, chronos, And you can kind of see what chronos leads to, chronological, uh, like set things in time frames. But kairos is is a more liberal use of the word time. It can mean a larger portion of time or a smaller portion of time, any kind of measurement of time. It could mean an opportune, and I guess that's why someone says make the most of every opportunity. But it could also be a seasonal of time, a larger time of time. It could be the right time. It could be things and events of time. So chronos is totally different. It means a fixed point in time. And here's a verse in Galatians 4 where chronos is used. And again, I'm going to read it in in a language that, in a translation that you're familiar with. But when the right time came, and that right time is chronos. It's a fixed time. And we've probably heard this verse throughout the Christmas season, that in a fixed point of time, God sent his son, Jesus, to be subject to the law. He sent him to buy freedom, and, and I put in there redeem. That's, that's the word redeem, redeem from the curse of the law, redeem those who were slaves to the law so that he would adopt us as his very own children. Everywhere that you see time and what God is doing to redeem time is to bring us into freedom and liberty. And and he says, be wise 
how you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. This is in Colossians 4. Make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. Same word. Now, you think about how God looks at time in both these ways. Way before God said, let there be light, think about this. He knew that young lady in Nazareth and that young man in Nazareth that would be right in the middle of the coming of his son. He knew that point. That point was set before he made Adam and Eve. How God knew from the very start what was going to happen in the Garden of Eden, who was going to do what, and that somewhere down the line, in that fixed point of time, Jesus would arrive, and and I don't think it's that much different for us because God knew who you was going to marry, and you can be thankful for the one that you thought you was going to marry that you didn't marry. I hope you can be thankful for that. The kids you would have, the grandkids you would have, God knew all of that in advance. And I don't know about you, but that gives me a lot of peace that it wasn't just totally dependent on me, that he had a will for my life, he has a will for your life, he knows your future, but he wants you and me to look at time as his means of ministering to us and leading us and directing us. I hope you'll remember that verse as the start of 2023, that we'll be better stewards of every day. Why not start today, right? The first day. In reality, I can say that I probably used up a vast majority of my time of of what I've lived. But I do believe that he has still got things for me to do. And he's got things he wants to do in me. And I welcome that. But I have to be attentive to that and not just take it for granted that things are going to work out the way they work out, whether I'm active or not active, if I'm, uh, if I'm active or passive, that God wants us to be more active when it comes to time, right? He wants us to be more active. We live in a world of darkness. You think about the days are evil. Do you think Paul had any idea what kind of darkness would cover our world? Now, darkness was there, and it was challenging Christianity. And the people who live for God, he's telling them, you better redeem the time because the days around you are filled with evil. The same is true for us. Our current world is so blinded by darkness and lust. Just like God had a fixed point in time to bring Jesus, he's put us in this point in time, and we are here because it is God's plan. You know, I think probably sometimes we made decisions and we said, God, why didn't you stop me? Why didn't you, uh, that, I would have really appreciated if you just stopped me. Do you know why he didn't stop you? Because he's not going to control you. He doesn't want you to be a robot. If he started electively saying, well, you can't do that and that's going to stop you, then he would have to be committed to that all along the way. And we would never learn some of life's hardest lessons, would we? (laughs) I know myself, I would say, yes, I wished I had known not to do that and not to make that decision. I've, I've told probably this before, but 
there was a point in my time in ministry that I look back, and every time I look back, I'd say the exact same words. That was a colossal waste of my time. And I would be quick to say it when I, it came up. That was a colossal, it's exact words. It was a colossal waste of time. And then the Holy Spirit rebuked me one day and said, no, it wasn't. You matured through that crucible to become the person that you are today. You learn things through pain that stick with you longer than anything else. And it tempers us in how our attitudes are and why do we do what we do. And and really, I think all of us could use the point where nobody pats us on the back so that we don't lean toward affirmation to do the things we're doing for God. Sometimes we just have to do it in spite of things, right? Amen. It was true about me in that point. But he wants our hearts to be surrendered to him on our own, not forced. He doesn't, he's not going to force you and I to kneel before him in the morning or the night before we we go to bed or when we get up or sing or worship. He doesn't, he's not going to make us do that, but he loves for us to do that. Remember David Wilkerson, I've shared this before in he, he was in prayer time, dedicated to prayer time, and he went to leave his office at Times Square Church, and he heard the Lord say, don't leave. I'm enjoying time with you. And it humbled him to think that he was the only one getting anything out of that meeting, that God was actually getting something from him by giving him the attention that He is worthy of the first one we talked about, that he is deserving of our praise. And when we give that to him, that's like that's like a fragrance to the to the presence of God, that we do that on our own. Redeem the time that's in front of you. I'd like to encourage you today about valuing conversation. I think we're probably less conversive than what we've been in a long, long time, mainly because of this apparatus that we are, you know, sometimes I was like, don't text me, call me. You know, how about people in the same family texting each other in the same house? What is that? Hey, come here, I need you. (laughs) What? How about just do an old-fashioned country, hey, come here, I need you. Because their phone might be on a table somewhere, and you know the holler gets you immediate attention. But we're we're like not as conversive. Am I wrong on this? That we don't have conversations, and we need to value conversations. I know how how somebody in this room is like, I don't want people talking to me all the time. I like my privacy. And, and I'm, I'm in that category. Sometimes I just, I just, let me just think for a minute here. Outsiders don't necessarily need to see or hear our petitions to the Lord, but we need to have conversation with God. We need to talk to him. 
here's, I've heard people say a silent prayer. Are you thinking about what I just said? A silent prayer. Maybe a silent meditation. Okay, well. We need to have conversation with God, not just meditate on Him. We need to talk to Him. We need to converse with Him. I believe when He is the first, first value we have in the morning, I believe that blesses Him. That our first thing we do is, good morning, Lord. What another day you've given me. And go about praising, worship, turn the music up. That's why I go another part of the house. Blasting music, worship, just, and talking to him. And, you know, and some people think, you know, Brenda says, who's you talking to outside? Sometimes it's me. Well, what are you talking to yourself out loud? I said, well, so I can hear better. <laughs> but sometimes I'm just talking to the Lord and, and versing my, my heart to him. The number one enemy in how we take every day and make God the focus is distractions. Things that pull our attention away from who he is and what he wants to do in our lives. And boy, do we have distractions. We're probably the most distracted generation ever because we have so many things going on. But we can do something about it. You know, one of the first things we can do something about distractions is this. We can limit access to our time. You don't have to write that down, but that's a good thing to write down. We can limit access to our time. Let me do a little confession here. It's nothing like confessing on the first day of the year, right? If you haven't figured this out, my phone stays on silent almost all the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But when I see later that I've missed a call and whoever called me does not leave a message, I don't think the call was important enough for me to return the call. I'm just, I'm just confessing. Y'all can just say, I'm going to pray for you. That's a bad attitude. Unless, of course, it's a certain member of the family that I missed a call, and I'll call them back. But I just think we, we're, so, we're so bits and pieces of information. We're just so scattered about conversation, and, and we're not focused on, you know, being so committed to real conversation, real interaction. Some of you know I... I've ministered to a man that's over at the Harper Geriatric Psychiatric Center on the campus of the University of Alabama. And Donald's 74 years of age. And uh, he's been in psychiatric facilities, I'm not going to say his last name, for 44 years. I don't know how it happened with my phone, but my phone does not, take any calls from the office or anything else. I did not do that. I don't know how to do that. But it just goes to voice message. And the other day, I, I deleted 17 voice messages over a couple of days. 
and I will call him back every, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, he's broken. But when I call him in the wing that he's at and they'll take, give him the phone, my most important thing I do is pray for him and, and ask God to touch him. But it's things like that. You have to measure what is, what is wise and what is beneficial to him, but also not to get so loaded down with stuff that we can't think and we can't have peace in our own lives. He would, he would, he would talk to me three and four times a day if he could, but I can't do that. And I think sometimes you have to measure how, what, what, what robs you, what interferes with your time, what beyond your, what your responsibilities are, but the, you can kind of fix like, oh, this is where I need to be more of a better steward of distractions that come into my life. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter which, which, what it is. Donald is, I care for him, and he calls me his pastor. But I can't, I can't do the things that he thinks the pastor should do. One is to get him out, and I, I tell him I can't get you out, you know. Go find me a trailer. I said, I'm sorry, I can't find you a trailer. You know, he thinks I can. But we, we just have to kind of watch those things that could just pull, pull on you and pull energy from you that God wants you to kind of measure that so that it doesn't pull you away from what he wants you to be thinking about. Am I making myself clear? This is in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. And God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. I think some translate, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the only day that we can do anything directly with God. It's the only, right now is the only time we can talk to him, we can listen to him, we can respond to him. This is right now. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, this is it. It is right in the present time that God can save you. I listened to a podcast, and I shared that podcast with uh, some of the men that we have prayer time with. Pete Maravich. Um, probably the greatest basketball player ever in college. Averaged 44 points a game over a three-year period. And that was before the three-point line. No telling what he, he'd probably, it'd probably been, he, he was almost unstoppable. Played for LSU, his name is on their arena. But he, he shares his story that at the age of 18, he was a high school phenomenal basketball player, already committed, I think, to LSU. And he was invited by Campus Crusade for Christ to come out to California. I think he lived in Virginia or somewhere on the East Coast. And to put on a basketball clinic. He's 18 years of age. And he and his buddy thought, well, we've never been to California. Let's go to California. They'd stop and hit the bars and drink. And he's already pretty much a functioning alcoholic at 18. And they asked him to put a basketball clinic on. They drove out there, and uh, he met Bill Battle, who was, uh, played for Alabama and also coached at Tennessee. 
Christian. And they, um, he kept waiting for when the basketball clinic was supposed to start. For three days, there was no basketball clinic. He just heard preaching and teaching. And the last night, Dr. Bill Bright, who is head of Campus Crusade for Christ, preached a message with 1,000 young people just like Pete Maravich. And Pete Maravich's friend stood up to go to the altar, and he tried to stop him. He said, what are you doing? And he said, I got to go. His friend went down, and he refused. And this recording of Pete Maravich sharing this story was the last recorded conversation he was having or he was speaking to a group of people privately. He would die just a few days later from a massive heart attack. And he was with Dr. James Dobson, who in his, as he would say, in his prime, he was a very good basketball player. They had a pickup basketball game. They took a break. Pete Maravich walked over to him and collapsed with a massive heart attack and died at the age of 40. But during that time of sharing, he said many times as an alcoholic, as someone so empty, so good at what he did, was one of the greatest players in the NBA ever. He said, I wished I'd went with my friend down to that altar to save me all the stuff that I went through. But he did get saved, and he died in the arms of Dr. James Dobson. But he reflected, and I thought it was interesting, he reflected on that, that evening when his friend went down and accepted the Lord. He says, I could have saved myself a lot of pain and misery if I had done that. This is why the Bible says today is a day of salvation, not yesterday, not tomorrow. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I'll do that later. There might not be a later. And, and yesterday's already gone, so you missed that. Whatever God wants to do in our lives today, the only time he can do it is right now. And in the next few minutes as we sit here, we can waste our time by pursuing things that have no eternal value whatsoever. The days around us are, are really evil, aren't they? It matters what actions we take. And I, I want to encourage you today, take a long look from how your day goes, how you, what you do when you get up, when you go about your day, when you finish your day, and be more intentional to engage him, to worship him, to talk to him, to interact with him. I don't think, no matter how much I incorporate that in my daily, I don't think I can overdo it. I don't think I can overdose on the kingdom of God. I encourage you to think about people that you need to call, people you need to have conversation with, maybe to apologize, maybe to mend some fences. Or maybe just to show that you care. Somebody that comes maybe to your mind right now that I, you know what, I've been meaning to call them. Gordon MacDonald wrote a book about ordering your private world. And Dallas Willard also wrote a book about uh, the discipline, the, the, 
spiritual disciplines in life. And in Willard's book, he put two different disciplines, and I'll, I'll share this with you as we get ready to close. He says there's the discipline of abstinence and there's the discipline of engagement. And under the absence, he put solitude, how much time we spend with the Lord, silence, how often no answer is a better way to go than an answer, right? Silence, fasting, amen, that's so exciting, right? Frugality. Isn't it interesting when Jesus multiplied a a food to feed several thousand people, they just had a few baskets of food left over. You know, if that was up to us, we'd have like to-go baskets for like a thousand people. Even in multiplying the food, he was frugal in it. There wasn't, given the amount of food they ate, there wasn't much food left over. That may be what we ought to try to do today. Chastity, purity, valuing purity, secrecy, that secret place with God, holding that that is best known to you and him, and sacrifice. This is all under discipline of absence. One of the greatest assets to a marriage is the willingness to lay down your life for your spouse. Is to give way, not demand, but to give way. And when two people are involved in giving, there's no need to take. And this is how we grow. This is how we grow with the Lord. This is how we grow with each other. This is how we grow in our family and our relationships as parents. This is how we, we see our family gravitate more to the things of God. And the other side of disciplines is a discipline of engagement, study. We talked about Right Now Media, that you can get on Right Now Media, and you, it's wide open for you to have studies. Church pays the subscription to it, but it's free to all those in the church that want to get into it. And how about worship? Why don't our praise team come back up? We're going to have some worship. Celebration, a joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive, to serve others. Prayer, having a conversation with God, fellowship, communion, listening, listening to his voice, confession, Confession leads to restoration and submission, recognizing authority. You know, we have these, this 2023 reading guide that you can take with you and just, this is first day, jump on it. Read the Bible through this year. It might not have been on one of your lists to do, but it doesn't take 10, 15 minutes maybe you're a slow reader like me maybe 20 minutes to read two or three chapters a day go through the whole bible these are good little tools you know if if we don't set boundaries we're not going to fulfill god's purpose in our lives we got to set some boundaries
I can tell you this. John Piper wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Life. It's, and he preached a message on it. That's, you probably pull it up. It's a great message. Years ago, I know this. God doesn't want us to waste our lives. And how, how do we waste our lives? We waste them by hours that turns into days. If we treasure what we have right now and treasure the opportunity we have to interact with God, we're not going to waste our lives because He's going to direct you. He will direct you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Would you stand with me? Now, I want to tell you, I want you to just Think about this question. What do you want God to do in your life? What do you want God to do? What do you need? But what do you want? It's those three words that Jesus said. Ask. Seek. Knock. All of them. Ask, you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. But all of those are intentional actions. Asking, seeking, knocking. So this is what I want you to do this morning. When we just start worshiping this, I want you to bring everything that you want God to do in your life in 2023, starting today. It's his healing, restoration, your family, your finances, your health any of those things you will not exhaust the resources of God today you can have a list a mile long and it's nothing to him to supply what you need Lord I pray this morning that heaven would open up in this place in this room and that we would lay hold of your promises and we would bring our lives before you and surrender this year to you at the very start of it the very first day We want you to be in charge of this year, 2023. We want it to be your year, not ours, but yours. And if it's yours, it becomes what we want it to be and what we need it to be. Bring healing to someone here in this room. Bring wisdom and counsel to those that are facing decisions. Bring restoration for the brokenness that some have experienced. And for those who have have become cold and indifferent, to renew the fire of their soul, to renew the fire in their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name. He wants to change your life this morning. Let him do it. Come and see what he's going to do.